0: To claim your free welcome bonus, that's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW, avoid prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. <laughs>
2: Hello and welcome to another edition of the Forza Napoli Worldwide Series. This is a series all about our fans. I'm convinced that we have the best fans in the world, so I wanted to give our fans all over the world a platform where they can tell their stories and together we can continue to grow this amazing community. I'm your host, Joe Fischetti. Thank you, as always, for listening. We're heading to Nigeria for today's episode Today's guest is the admin for the SSC Napoli Nigeria account. Victor Okunsuyi. welcome to Forza Napoli. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to have you on. So we have plenty to talk about. I definitely want to get your thoughts on Nigeria's exit from the World Cup. I hate to put you through that. Of course, Italy was eliminated from the World Cup as well, so we can commiserate together on that. We're also going to preview our match against Atalanta, but we always start these episodes with our guest story. So, Victor, how did you become a Napoli fan?
1: I have four reasons I decided to join a Napoli fan. Number one, I became a Napoli fan as a result of good football. They played locally and internationally. Secondly, I love the passion and love the club size and the Napoli fan worldwide share among themselves. And also, their welcoming manners shown towards the new fans. Thirdly, I love the way they remembered their past heroes and their present ones. This shows that the club side is a home full of love and happiness. So, the final reason I love the way SS Napoli fans we have zero racism acts. So, this shows that we are all one, regardless of skin color.
2: That's a good list. So if you don't mind, I want to just kind of go through each one a little bit. You said the first reason was that you just liked the way Napoli plays. How far back are you looking? Are you talking about under Spalletti? Or, you know, a lot of people liked how Napoli played under Sadi, you know, the whole Sadi ball. I've joined Napoli club since the time of
1: Cavani, Laessi, and Amsic. So then... Because we are uh, in Nigeria, we don't really have the Italian-Syria art. So we watch through our local cable or sometimes streaming online. But since the advent of some African players going to Syriaha, so we now have that shows the italian ha. And I really love the way you guys welcome the African players there. It shows love. So that is one of the reasons. And To also add to the conclusion, Victor Oseme also, initially, Victor Oseme didn't want to join Napoli because he was scared of, you know, Italy. They are full of, not all, there is a place also known for racist art. So, but thank us to the former coach Gattuso, who counseled him that such thing doesn't happen in Napoli. And finally, he decided to join Napoli. That is one of the reasons why most fans in Nigeria and also Africa, they are glued to their television state to watch the superstar boy, Victor Osime. And not only because Victor Osime joined it, even eventually, even Victor Osime is no more play for Napoli. That doesn't mean that I will continue supporting Napoli. I will continue supporting Napoli forever and ever.
2: So that's good to hear. I mean, Napoli specifically has a lot of African players. Like you said, there are plenty of other African players playing throughout the league, and there seems to be a growth in African players in Serie A. There's always been a lot of African players in France, and France has become a bit of a sort of a stepping stone for the top talent to to make their debuts in Europe and then move on to some of the bigger leagues. I mean, we talk about guys like Koulibaly and Giza, Unas Gulam, even though he hasn't played much lately because of injuries, and, and of course, like you said, Victor Osiman. have you noticed that in Nigeria, specifically with the transfer of Osiman to Napoli, that has there been a sort of a growing Napoli fan base because of that transfer?
1: Yeah, yeah, but I'm just trying to also make it well known. But mostly they just support Victor Oseman and the club. That is one of the reasons why I created the page, so that I'll be able to gather as many Nigerian uh, Napoli fan, because it's just a growing stage. So with time, I know we'll gather momentum. We have many fans to also share Napoli. I have I've secured various accounts. I have a uh, Napoli OGS, their fan page we talk, we interact, the USA, Cuba, Argentina, Uruguay, Switzerland, and so on and so forth. So they are trying to encourage me that it start from being small to become bigger, you understand? So that is, well, that is one of the, it's just a growing stage. So, and I believe it will grow better.
2: I think it will too. I love the fact that you made the page. I, I think it's amazing that now with technology, we can interact with fans around the world. That's what this series, even on the podcast, is all about. It's There's fans all over the globe, and it's a way to connect with everyone. And it's great to see. I think that's been part of the club's marketing strategy in a way, even though you can only have a couple of players from outside of the European zone. I don't think it's a coincidence that we sign Lozano from Mexico, Osamen from Nigeria. Of course, we're still signing players that we need to fit into the system and that to fill gaps or weaknesses in the club. But I think it's also partly to expand the global brand of Napoli, which is something they historically haven't done terribly well. You mentioned that you love the way that the club remembers their past heroes and their present ones. If I'm going to put you on the spot, if you had to pick one player who you would consider your favorite player from the past, And I'm going to say not including Diego Armando Maradona because that's the easy answer for every Napoli fan. (laughs) So other than Maradona, if you had to pick one player that you would say was your favorite all-time Napoli player, who would it be?
1: Edwin Cavani. He's the sharp striker. After Edwin Cavani, I'll just lead Iguain. He's also his pastor. But he doesn't have such a chance in my United. I don't know. But Cavani and Cavani is the best. The past hero, apart from the goal, the mini goal is Diego Maradona, the late Diego Maradona.
2: Of course, of course. That's why I specifically said don't pick him because I already knew. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, Cavani, I mean, it's hard. Cavani's definitely up there for a lot of Napoli fans, even though he didn't spend that much time with the club while he was here. He was just unbelievable. And, it seems like you have a, an affinity for goal scorers between Cavani, Iguain, who's not so much loved because where he went, but again, during his time. Yeah, around, yeah, 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 I get you, I very, get you. Very prolific. and then of I course, understand you. And then, of course, Osiman, another goal scorer who has been compared to Cavani. Do you see some resemblances in the way they play? Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. There are so many resemblance, but Victor is still young younger you can compare him with a uh, with lot of experience so with time you also develop with such uh, strikers he's also shortlisted among the young best strikers number as in the first 10 young best striker in the world so if it can be known globally that way and he continue playing very well i think he will surpass Cavani. i think um, and yeah, if he improve more on on his techniques,
2: yeah, I think he has the potential to as well. It's difficult to compare the two because Victor is a unique player in terms of the characteristics. Like both of them are excellent finishers, both have pace, but Victor, I mean Victor's pace is on another level. And then, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> both yeah. of them are yeah. also. Uh, yeah. You know, both of them are also very good in the air. So, yeah, there. I think there are a lot of yes. uh, commonalities there. Victor, I agree with you. I think Victor is some, I read an article once, one of the Italian papers described him as sort of an, an unpolished gem, right? Like he's a little bit rough around the edges still. He's got a bit of a temper, but especially under Spalletti, who's a coach that is known for having prolific goal scorers. You know, we think back to, Players like Jacko or Icardi, these are guys that they were good goal scorers, but then under Spalletti, they scored even more because there's such a, a focus on the striker. There's a focal point with the striker under Spalletti. Oh. So I think, yes, okay. I, I think Victor definitely has the potential to rack up a lot of goals. Hopefully he can just avoid some of these crazy injuries that we've seen uh, over the last couple of seasons, which are you know really odd, kind of unlucky really? things that happen. Injury issue. I
1: think the other players are not being fed to him. Other Italian players, other superstars in Italian here, And the referees, they are always against Victor. We, we complain so much about it. There are some in tackles They'll give Victor. Simmer. The referee will just look away without showing but if such incidents occur to any, maybe Italian player or any European player such person will be carded. I don't know. I don't know why it's like that. That is why I get frustrated at times. If you see the way can It's just of recent. They started smiling. Instead of getting angry, yeah. you just be smiling. Have you not noticed it in the last couple of games? Instead of getting so angry, you will be smiling.
2: I wonder if that's, you know, Spalletti and him are working on this together and he's, I completely agree. I think Victor gets so few calls compared to other attacking players in the league. I don't know what it is. I don't think he is the type of player that that dives. Certainly not more than any other player in the league. Everyone kind of embellishes fouls here and there and whatnot. But, you know, you think of players like Teo Hernandez, for example. There's guys in the league that go overboard with the diving and faking and stuff i don't think victor is one of those guys but i completely agree for whatever reason you know there are games where he is completely manhandled and he just does not get the calls including inside and outside of the area
1: i think i think let's say for example i did being victor Simon was in for juventus he was in for AC Milan. such privilege will be given on to him i think i don't know whether napoli is like just like the black sheep of uh, italian clubs most clubs, uh don't like Napoli, and uh, that's not observed. Most nothing Italians. The way they treat Napoli is not good. It's not good. is is kind of obvious. Everybody can see it. Last season, I read an article written by you, also that concerning Juventus, there was a kind of a COVID nineteen. Uh, then, So we decided not to play Juventus. We are obeying the uh, COVID-19 quarantine uh, procedures. But now, they are now saying we didn't obey COVID-19. And they are trying to issue out some... Uh, I don't really understand much their penalties. Maybe they want to sanction Napoli. Or maybe you can share more
2: light on it. Yeah, so let me... For anyone who's listening that isn't familiar with this story... We're recording on Thursday at around 1 o'clock Eastern time. Earlier in the day, the Fiji Chi issued an official note saying that the federal prosecutor has referred Dalorentis and our health manager, Rafaela Canonico, to the federal court disciplinary section for violating the ASL's order to quarantine, specifically for three players, which were Stanislav Lobotka, Piotr Zelinski, and I believe there was one other player. And now there's all this speculation about whether there will be any punishments. Will the club be handed a loss at the table? Will they be deducted points? Will the match be replayed? Personally, I don't think anything will come out of this. I think it's frustrating, and I tweeted about this as well, because last season, when Napoli obeyed the orders of the local ASL to quarantine, we were given a 3-0 loss at the table. We had to go to three levels of appeals to have that decision reversed just to play the match. Now, this season, we go to play the match supposedly against the orders of the ASL to quarantine, and and I'll explain why I say supposedly, and we're still punished with this now vague threat of punishment or, or impending punishments coming from the prosecutor's office. And the reason why I say we supposedly violated the quarantine rules is because from the documentation at the time, I don't believe we violated anything. What happened was there was a change in the local rules around who would have to quarantine and for how long, depending on how many vaccinations you've had and when the last time your vaccination was and various different things. And if you were to apply the new rules, then yes, we would have violated those procedures. However, Those new rules did not come into effect until January 9th, and the match against Juventus was on January 6th. So, on January 6th, there were different rules around quarantining, and to my knowledge at least, we abided by those rules, and that's why those players played. So I have a feeling this is a situation where, as usual, the clowns that run the league don't have a good understanding of the law they don't have a good understanding of their own policies they certainly don't have as good of as an understanding as our club lawyers do and so what i think is going to happen is they'll sanction us in whatever way they will most likely it'll just be a fine i think and if that's the case the club may just pay the fine because it'll be insignificant but if it's anything more than a fine, then I think we'll lawyer up and we'll appeal and we'll most likely win. And you know, I, I've been scouring online and all these different things and seeing people's tweets and and there's lots of references to clubs like Juventus themselves, who did the exact same thing and you know they weren't sanctioned or they had minimal sanctions. You know, one example was Cristiano Ronaldo going to Portugal and coming back and still playing without having to abide by the quarantine protocols at the time. So. My opinion is that nothing is going to come of this. I don't think it will affect the championship. but I, do, I hope so. Yeah, but I do agree with you on this idea that it always seems to be everyone against us as far as Serie A goes. And whether it's with respect to the treatment of Victor Osiman or to the club as a whole, I love the way our friend Ben, who's been on the podcast, puts it. He always says, you know, for Napoli to win the Scudato, we have to do 120% more than anyone else. Because it it's always, not, you know." Yeah.
1: Your friend is right, your friend
2: is right. Yeah, right? Like, it's. we always have to do more. We have to go out of our way just to to be able to compete, it seems. Again, and, you know, for any non-Napoli fans listening to this, they'll probably cry that, yeah, oh, please, Napoli fans are always complaining about this. But after enough of this stuff happens, it's hard to be at least a little bit skeptical. So I hate to bring this up because I think you're probably just getting over it. Maybe you haven't even gotten over it yet, but... Since I have someone from Nigeria, I do want to get your thoughts on Nigeria's elimination from World Cup qualifying. I think it goes without saying that you're disappointed with how that happened, but I, I'm just curious to know your thoughts on that match.
1: The player shows unpatriotic minds, as in zeal when they put on the green and white jersey. So there's no passion. If if you see some other African player, other European player. Even being called to the national team is a privilege, but here in Nigeria, maybe you are lucky to be playing abroad. If they get called back to the national teams, they play as if uh, after all, they're just helping you. You don't understand. So there's no zeal compared to the one Victor Oshemesh showed during the game against uh, Ghana. So he got to a particular stage whereby the fans were hailing Victor Osime because he put all his best, like 120% out of 100, just to ensure nigeria qualification to the worker boards. Out of 10 players, out of 11 players, only one person can carry all the team. So it's to be collective minds, collective decisions as a team. Are you getting what I'm saying?
2: Yes, I do, because the exact same thing happens with Napoli sometimes, where it seems like Victor is the only one that's trying. <laughs> you know, we've had a couple of results where it seemed like everyone else was just really lacking energy, but he was going, giving everything he, he has. So I guess it's the same thing on the international level sometimes.
1: Exactly, exactly. And also the NFF, as in the Ninja Football Federation, is a total mess, sorry to say that word. There are so many dirty things, despite not being good. If you can pay your way up, you'll be get called to the national team, and this is affecting the Nigeria body as a whole. In order to climb, Mbappe went to Cameroon. telling him then that he has to pay, so that what frustrated his dad to let him go to France and. Luckily for him, he got called up in France. Most players that are talented in Africa is either uh, you have connections or you have to pay your way through. It's just like two percent, just like Victor Simeon. Victor Simeon will be categorized into the two percent that got shortlisted based on merit and without factor. Aside that, you see. The players, the national team possesses at times, as a Nigerian, disappointed. Just this morning, I had that the NRF all the Super Eagles technical crew. So they have been there over the years, no changes, nothing, nothing. So now we are expecting new faces with a lot of experience. So it's so sad. We Nigerians are very, very, very sad concerning the elimination of uh, us not going to the World Cup.
2: Uh, I'm sorry to hear that because I thought, you know, despite all of those issues, I feel like the Super Eagles still are one of the strongest nations in African football. I think, you know, Senegal's up there and Algeria, Cameroon. But it seems like if Nigeria can sort some of these issues out, which are maybe not so easy to sort out, these are very big challenges, then the country as a whole, from a footballing standpoint, would be in much better shape.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Now in Nigeria, most African countries are also undergoing this kind of uh, issues. Getting is no yeah. not in Nigeria yeah. scene alone. Most okay. African countries are into the sh- 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 business, putting players that are not standard enough to be called to the team. So I don't even know what to say again. But we Nigerians are not happy concerning the we not going to Qatar.
2: Yeah, I can imagine. Like I said, uh, I'm only half Italian, but I support Italy in international competitions, and most Italians obviously are not too happy that Italy's not going either. So that will do for part one. In part two, we're going to preview the match against Atalanta on Sunday. Welcome to part two of the Forza Napoli podcast. So, next, I want to preview the match against Atalanta. Before we get into it, I just want to recommend that everyone check out the latest episode of the Atalanta pod with our friends Dan and Nick. We're going to focus primarily on Napoli in this preview, so if you want the Atalanta perspective, then definitely give those guys a listen. I will talk a bit about Atalanta, but most of that information, particularly on the starting lineup, is actually coming from their podcast, so make sure to check that out. But let's start with the Napoli lineup, because that's the main talking point heading into this match. I think we can probably work out the starting 11 just by working through each position. So let's do that, Victor. I think it goes without saying that Davido Spina will start in goal, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Ospina probably won't return to the squad until Friday, but that won't stop him from starting this match. We've seen him return on a Friday and play on a Saturday. Unfortunately, his Colombia finished just outside of the qualification zone, so Colombia as well will not be at the World Cup. Alex Meret did custom work on the pitch on Thursday, so he may not even be in the squad, let alone start. Moving on to centre-back, Amir Rachmani is suspended. So in all likelihood, Juan Jesus will play centre-left and Kalidou Koulibaly will play centre-right. Victor, do you have any concerns about Koulibaly playing slightly out of position here?
1: Well, I don't have a problem concerning that because Koulibaly is a star, He's a captain, he's a leader. So he knows what he can do to help the team. So I don't think it's a problem for Koulibaly. But it would be a tough task for him.
2: I agree. I think he's uh, good enough that he can make that adjustment. I don't think it's going to affect his play too much. Let's move on to full back. By the way, I'm assuming that we're playing a four-man back line just because I don't see us playing with a back three without Rachmani and Di Lorenzo. So we know Mario Rui will start at left back, and he's a player that could suffer from not having Koulibaly close to him because... I think Koulibaly provides a lot of support to Mario Rui. But the big question is, who will start at right back? It will have to be one of Kevin Malqui, Alessandro Zanoli, or possibly even Axel Twanzibay. Victor, who do you think will start at right back?
1: Tuanzebe. I think...
2: Really? That's interesting.
1: Yes. Although he has limited playing time, but he has been more than Zanoli. Because Zanoli is a young guy with more experience. So I prefer Twanzibay, a lot of experience. At- very strong.
2: I'm conflicted. I think personally, I think we're gonna see Malqui start just because he's probably the most experienced of the three. I, I struggle with Twanzebe just because, like you said, he hasn't played all that much. And then likewise, Zanoli is the youngest. You know, even though I think he's twenty-one now for for Italians, you know, we hardly play our young players. So a twenty-one year old is like a fifteen-year-old for us. But I think that'll be that'll be interesting to watch. Let's move on to the midfield next. I think the formation here will largely depend on whether Piotr Zielinski is fit to play. For those who don't know, Zielinski played in both of Poland's World Cup qualifying playoff matches, and in the second match, he was substituted out in the 89th minute, and he was holding the back of his left leg as he walked off. We're recording, as I said, on Thursday around uh, 1 p.m. Eastern time, so. We don't know yet what the status of Zelensky is. Maybe by the time you hear this pod, we'll have more information on his condition. If he's not available, I think there's a good likelihood that we'll play in a 4-3-3 with Lobotka and Regista, with Angisa to his left and Fabian to his right. But Victor, if Zelensky is available, would you rather see us play in a 4-3-3 or in a 4-2-3-1? I prefer 4 3
1: because, like you said, you said, Zelensi was substituted. So I don't expect such a player to start. He should enter as a substitute. So we don't really know the situation on ground concerning his injury, whether he's a minor or
2: is an armstring injury that we take time, but I don't pray so. So in the midfield, both Angisa and Fabian are recovering from nagging ailments. Angisa completed the full training on Thursday. So unless he aggravates something in training, he should be good to start. Fabian has the flu, but the expectation is that he will recover in time for this match. Now, the front three is pretty easy to predict, I think. Do you think we'll see anything other than Insignia on the left wing, Politano on the right wing, and Mertens at striker? No,
1: they'll play through the middle. They'll play through the middle. I don't think in that case, it will still fall back to four 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 two because in we will be going to the midfield to so help the three guys in the middle feed. I don't think he will be projecting to the striking position.
2: I definitely think we'll see us defending in a four-four-two or even a four-five-one with the wingers dropping. But I do know what you mean. Insignia does tend to drift into the middle of the park so he can either play the ball to the second post or he can go for the tirajiro. That opens up the wing for Mario Rui to overlap. And I think with Mertens playing at striker, it makes sense for Insignia to drift into the middle because the two of them can play off of each other. I definitely expect Insignia to start over Chucky Lozano. Lozano was expected to return to Napoli on Friday. So by the time you hear this, he'll probably already be back that leaves him only one training session to prepare for the match which is why i think he'll start on the bench unas and Patania are both still doing custom work on the pitch so i doubt either of them will be in the squad at most they would be available as emergency options if Patania is not fit to play then mertens is the only striker available and i think that means giuseppe ambrosino would get the call up from the primavera but i'd be very surprised if he featured in this match that would still be great for him though to get called up to the senior team after he just came off a successful trip with Italy's U19 squad. Let me quickly run through who I think will start for Atalanta again. I've relied largely on the Atalanta pod for this. I think Gasparini is going to play a 3 4 1 2 with Juan Musso in goal, though I wouldn't be surprised if Marco Sportiello got the start. With Rafael Toloy hurt, we should see Jose Palomino, at Jim City, and Meri Demiral as the back three. One of Joachim Mele and Hans Hattebor will start at left wing back. I think we'll see Mele and then Davide Zappacosta should start at right wing back. With the four man midfield, I think we'll see Martin Roon and Tun Miners in the center of the midfield. But if Atalanta play a 3-5-2, then Remo Freuler would likely join them. Finally, in the 3-4-1-2, Mateo Pessina would start as the trequartista behind Luis Muriel and Ruslan Malinovsky. Now, I'm assuming Muriel is fit to play, he's been a bit of a question mark all week, so if he can't play, then we're probably going to see them go with the 3-5-2. Okay, so Victor, I'm curious to know what your expectations are for this match. We talked about the missing players, this match will be played in Bergamo, so there are some factors working against us. However, Inter are playing Juventus this round, and Milan don't necessarily have an easy match either. They play against a Bologna side who's playing their first match since Sinisa Mihajlovic announced that his cancer has returned, which is really, really unfortunate. And we send Mihajlovic all of our love and prayers. But typically, when something like that happens, the players play their hearts out. So that will definitely not be an easy match for Milan. Given all of that, do you think this is a must-win match or would you be satisfied with a draw? So I
1: think we have good players so, regardless of who is on the pitch or not, we are Napoli. So, such don't move me. We have good players, so we should be able to play very well. There are some times that last year whereby we have a lot of injuries. We are able to skate through. I didn't even believe that you'll we'll be in the first two positions in Italian Syria. That shows that the team is a good team. But through those trying times, we gathered ourselves, and we are still top. So there's nothing really strange about it. But concerning some, uh, the Atlanta game, I nothing less than a draw. I think we have nothing less than a draw. I think we have yeah. nothing less than a draw because we'll the, the, the other Atlanta. games, uh, AC Milan, also and it's, uh, it's no Inter Milan and Juventus. One of them will surely draw points. So we are still in good title race.
2: I agree. Of course, we want to win given the circumstances, but I don't think a draw would mean that we're out of the race. The way all of the teams at the top of the table have dropped points lately, I think there will still be opportunities to make up ground. Now, on the flip side, I think the Scudetto belongs to whoever is willing to take it. If any of these clubs, including Juventus, win eight straight matches, they're probably going to win the Scudetto. And to me... This is a very winnable match. With Inter playing Juve, I think Atalanta might still feel like they can finish in the top four, but there's still a significant gap between them and fourth place. So the best case scenario for Atalanta is that Inter win because then if they beat us, they would reduce that gap to Juventus to five points and Atalanta have a game in hand. That said, Atalanta also have a game in the Europa League on Thursday against RB Leipzig, that's a quarterfinal match, which means Atalanta have a realistic chance of reaching the final and maybe even winning it. There's still some good teams left in the tournament. Of course, Barcelona are the favorites, but we all know how desperate Atalanta are to win a trophy. Hopefully, that forces Gasparini to manage his squad and therefore weaken his squad for this match. The other thing to consider is that Atalanta have been in really poor form and said, yeah, they've only won three of their last 12 matches and for whatever reason, they seem to struggle at the GWIS. They have a record of 4 wins, 6 draws, and 4 losses at home. That's 13th in the league, and even if they won their game in hand, they would still only be tied with Bologna for 10th, which is not that great. Meanwhile, we seem to be at least as good, if not better, away from home than we are at home, so that bodes well for us. Victor, I know you don't want to make any predictions, but any final thoughts on the match before I let you go?
1: Yes, I'm going to watch the match. I'm going to watch the match. Well, if team play as a team, we can do the impossible. So we can win. We can win. I'm not disputing the facts that we can win. But the worst result we can have is a draw. So let's be optimistic. A draw can also be a good thing. Yeah, please, it's better than losing. Inter Milan and uh, Juventus. They can also share points. So. We playing draw or win is still a better position, still a better way to the title race. I think it's possible. Anything is possible in football. Every Napoleon wants that. And I hope the boys will also bring up to expectation, walk up to expectation. And then, so I expect nothing less than win or draw. But I know we cannot lose. So I expect. A win or draw situation
2: I agree I think we need to walk away with at least a draw and I think we will do that I will make a prediction and I'm going to go with a 2-1 win on goals from Dries Mertens and Lorenzo Insigne for Atalanta I'll give the goal to Ruslan Malinovsky I think Mertens is going to show up for this match he's been waiting patiently for his opportunity to play and he's finally gotten it even if it is just for one match As much as I don't like Gasparini, you can't deny that he is one of the best managers in the league, so I'm curious to see what he has come up with. He definitely needs to figure out a way to get the ball in the back of the goal because that's been a major issue with Zapata, Hurt, and Muriel having a rough season. I'm also curious to see how Spalletti adjusts given all the absences. Both managers have had about two weeks to prepare for this match. I'm not sure about Gasparini, but I can guarantee you that Spalletti has used that time wisely. We were missing a ton of players in the first meeting, Koulibaly and Gisa, Insignia, and Osimen were all out, and though we ultimately lost, we played really well and stayed competitive in that match. Meanwhile, Atalanta had Zapata and Ilicic in that match, so they'll be weaker this time around. For us, it's hard to say whether we'll be stronger for this match, somehow Atalanta got away without having to play Osimen all season, the first match we didn't have Kulibali. This time we don't have Rachmani. In the first match, we didn't have Anguissa or Insignia. whereas this time we don't have the Lorenzo and some of our bench players in Petagna and Una. So I'm going to say that our squad is just about as strong or as weak as we were last time around, but Atalanta are much weaker, and that's why I think we're going to get the win. That's all we have time for today. Before I wrap it up, Victor, thank you so much for taking the time to join me.
1: Just want to say a big thank you to Forza Napoli Pod for hosting me tonight. It was a nice moment sharing with you how I became a Napoli fan.
2: Thank you so much. You can find Victor on Twitter at V Ogonsuni, and you can find the SSE Napoli Nigeria account at Victor Oguns2. You can find me on Twitter at underscore fisketti 5 and you can find the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Patreon at Forza Napoli Pod. Be sure to check out our Twitter page for this week's Napolitan Song of the Week. This week's song is La Mascara's brand new song, Soto Qui Core. La Mascara is definitely a band you must check out if you're into Napolitan music. The lead singer, Roberto Colella, is a musical genius. He's the type of musician that can play just about any instrument that you give him, and that's no exaggeration. If you have some time, check out the videos he posted on YouTube during lockdown, where he took everyday items like a carrot and turned it into a musical instrument. He's also collaborated with many of the artists we've previously featured on the pod and many others that we have not yet, so definitely check that out. I'll be back next week to review the Atlanta match, and at some point I'll have to find the time to review our latest Primavera and Feminile matches, but until then, I'm Joe Fischetti. Forza Napoli sempre!